Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 507th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein, giving you the American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. And you can get your daily reading from me on the Feuerstein's Fire blog now. Uh, go to DanielFeuerstein.com and head over to read some articles on the Red Bulls, already an article on uh, the uh, Queensboro FC's stadium announcement, and uh, we're going to try and give you more content on that as much as I can, uh, obviously with more stuff coming through. Uh, of course, it's not just locally with the New York Red Bulls, it's across Major League Soccer, in U.S. men's and women's national teams, and other leagues as well, so just be prepared for more content on that website and have some fun. But the chat room is open, come on in, discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my ability. You know, when the Columbus crew were being threatened out of Ohio and moving to Austin, Texas, the outrage poured tremendously. The outrage poured loudly. Because many people believe that this club of an original founding member of the league should not leave Columbus, Ohio, the state city, the capital of the state of Ohio, should not lose their soccer club, their football club, because they have history. Obviously, the Hunts sold the club. And obviously, there was a time you thought the new owner was going to do well, taking it over, changed uh, the the club crest from the uh, original construction worker crew to that German shield. And many of us thought, you know, look, this is going to be a great thing. And then, of course, we all know the real plans was to move that club into Austin, Texas. Now, thankfully, thankfully, things have changed. The Haslam's came in, along with uh, the former club doctor of the crew, decided to come in, purchase the club from the current owner of Austin FC, who is down right now in Texas. Precourt, Mr. Anthony Precourt, and the crew were saved. Saved from a terrible, terrible injustice like what happened with the original San Jose earthquakes. And even though the earthquakes came back, the original quakes are in Houston with their own history. But thankfully, the history of the quakes remained alive when the new version came back to San Jose. And now, 
there was another problem brewing that no one knew what was going to happen as the changing of the crest once again popped up and the name of the crew was going to be removed. More outrage came for the current ownership group as the Columbus crew would be known as Columbus SC. A basically the letter C inside supposedly the flag of the state of Ohio and it just did not work. It just did not work. Tons of Columbus supporters were angry, were upset. How dare you remove the crew name away from the Columbus to to become Columbus SC, sport club, soccer club, whatever you want to call it. And everyone around Major League Soccer was also upset. Also upset that this was allowed to happen. But thankfully, ownership listened and wanted to quell the frustrations of the supporters in Columbus, the Nordeck, big support group area of the Columbus crew. They wanted that name to be kept, and you know what? So it did. The name stayed. And as of right now, I have to say it was a fantastic idea and a fantastic job by the Haslams to listen to the fans, listen to your supporters, listen to the diehards that tell you this was a mistake, you can't do this, no matter how badly you felt you had to change the crest. This, my friends, and I understand the voice of the people, it worked. But changing and changes are tough. You need to listen to the proper people when they tell you, don't do it. This is not going to work. There will be backlash. There will be outrage. And the outrage came. But obviously, this is a position where there has been tons of backlash when a name gets changed. I can tell you, when the when the when the Red Bull Energy Energy Drink Corporation purchased the Metro Stars, I didn't like it. I did not like it. No one liked it. We didn't mind that Red Bull purchased the club. We didn't mind that they took over and they were, you know, they wanted to build a stadium. But what we did mind at the time was the name of the change, the change of the name. The changing of the name was a sore subject. And regardless of that, you will always see the 
Metro flag flying in the South Ward because you have to pay homage to the past. You have to. Because if you don't pay homage to the past, you will forget what that was all about at the start. That was the club. That was the team. And maybe it was a little bit quirky and crazy being run by, at the time, Metro Media, because that was why it was named Metro Stars out of Metro Media Corporation, to basically have the king of reruns in Mr. Kluge purchasing the rights of those sitcoms that are no longer broadcasting and selling it to those channels that need to show those old sitcoms over and over and over again, and he made a lot of money out of it. You always hear the Mighty Mighty Metro song every single home game at the start of the match, and then it goes right back to the Red Bulls later on the match. You know, on the uh, Football Americas show with ESPN, with Sebastian Salazar and uh, Hercules Gomez, and they do a good job on that show, how, you know, we can't keep going with the FC or the SC or the United FC and all that stuff with some of these clubs. And they're right. There is history. History with these names. You're never going to see the name Rapids go away. You'll never see the name Galaxy go away. You'll never, ever see the Revolution name go away. It's never going to go away. Never, ever, at all. And it's a situation where are we pandering too much to be a global brand all the time? Are we? Are we pandering now to be something like this, to be worldwide? Look, in England, it's Arsenal, it's Chelsea, Manchester United, Fulham, I mean... In Scotland, it's Celtic, it's Rangers, it's Barcelona, in Spain, Real Madrid, in Italy, it's AC Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus, in Mexico, it's Club America, it's Pachuca, it's Tigres, Pumas, Argentina, it's Boca Juniors. It's River Plate. Everyone knows these names. And even though they're not playing right now, everyone knows about the New York Cosmos. It's not a hard thing to know. And even though there's no longer Kansas City Wiz or Kansas City Wizards, and now it's Sporting Kansas City, like Sporting Lisbon. Even though it's LAFC, 
And we have some clubs, of course, you know, Greenville Triumph, Charleston Battery, USL, Rochester Rhinos. The names are known. These names are known. Borussia Dortmund, Bayern Munich, Bayer Leverkusen, PSV Eindhoven, Ajax, even though it's pronounced, I guess, in, in English, Ajax. These are the names that people know. These are the names of the clubs that everybody knows on a snap of the fingers. It's not a big deal. There's nothing to be ashamed about when you're talking about these clubs with the names that they have. We'll never have Arsenal here in the States. Okay? We'll never have Boca Juniors here in the States. Now, there may be an affiliation. These clubs may come in and bring, a, you know, plop an academy somewhere in the country to find talented players, but they'll never, ever do what Guadalajara Chivas did and create Chivas USA. It's a situation where I don't think it's ever going to happen again. And all I can say is, is that it's okay. It's all right. Bring back those names. Bring back the Kansas City Wizards. You can bring back the Columbus crew, which what happened. There's nothing to be shamed about. Nothing to be ashamed about. Whoever said to you, if you own an MLS club or an American soccer club in the professional levels and it says to you, without changing your name to an FC or an SC, no, stay where you are. Stay where you are. You're beautiful the way you are, and you're great the way you are. This is why when you create a league, and this is why when you have a name that's going to stay with you and stick with you for the rest of your life, it's worth having it, and everyone will know who you are. I've got a great show for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Bruce McGuire of Dunor will be joining me a little bit later to talk about uh, Minnesota United FC's uh, shaky start to the season, though they've won the last two. Joining me right now, a gentleman who is absolutely happy, thrilled. Now, don't get me wrong, the Bailey was a great venue, even though it was on the campus of the University of Cincinnati. But when you have your own stadium, you can control the dates and control the times and control everything. It's 10 million times better. From Cincinnati Soccer Talk, Boston Brazel joining me. Boston, good afternoon, good evening, and congratulations to you and everyone else in Cincinnati. My friend, yeah, have a home for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll give you that. Um, despite the ongoing past couple seasons of up and downs and mostly downs, but uh, something like this is such a big up that, you know, you go to that game and really the result in this one instance is the last thing on your mind. 
It really is. And, I mean, I know you don't want to lose to uh, Inter-Miami. No one wants to lose their home opener, their, the first ever <laughs> game played at their brand-new stadium. No, I'm being honest. Look, you want to see them get a victory and everything, and I understand. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, you, but still, though, what was the feeling? And I don't know if you were able to go or not. If you saw it on TV, great. What's the feeling that you had that even though the club's only been around for a couple of years, starting in USL – Nan coming into MLS two years ago. I mean, I mean, what's that feeling to have a home of your own that you don't have to worry about, oh, my God, am I going to get interfered with with University of Cincinnati football games? Yeah, I was at the first University of Cincinnati game in USL, and I was at this home opener uh, for Major League Soccer. And, and, and the first time, well, I mean, it was completely two different experiences. The first time it was, what are we doing here? Is the soccer <laughs> thing going to work? And then, um, the, the, you know, the second time was just a explanation point on something that really the, the communities kind of come together on and, and built and, and made um, something out of a USL team. And it was really, really cool to finally see our own house. You're right. It is different um, sharing it's fine in certain instances where you have to, but I don't think anyone wants to share if they don't have to. And and um, it was abs- – I mean, that place is drop-dead gorgeous. Sadly, only 6,000 of us could be there, but that is soon changing. And I actually look forward to the June game because that almost is going to be like another home opener when we're all there together. Oh, yeah, I know. Thankfully, it sounds like this pandemic is uh, slowly but surely going away. We still have to be careful, though, but I'll say this. Thank God it's starting to dissipate, and thank God it's about to end so we can get back to a normal, normal situation. You know, I uh, was on YouTube this afternoon trying to get notes uh, for this uh, segment with you, and I have to tell you, the drone... um, the drone flyby inside TQL Stadium was amazing. Oh, my goodness. I, I have to tell you, it was spectacular how it looked inside. Now, look, I admit I'm spoiled when I go to Red Bull Arena and I got to cover the Red Bulls and, uh, you know, going inside doing my job to, you know, get interviews after the match. But, you know, I really want to come to a match. I want to visit the TQL Stadium, and I really want to take a look because I'm telling you right now, Boston, to be inside that ground is just amazing. And to have it picturesque with the West End has really put a big smile on my face because it's not just to help the supporters and the club of FC Cincinnati but to see another crown jewel stadium in the United States for this game, it shows that we are yeah. getting bigger and better. Yeah, everything's cool about it. It's in a it's in a neighborhood kind of kind of has like a Green Bay Packer Lambeau Field Field uh, or Wrigley in in Chicago, kind of that vibe. But it's also state of the art, uh, very very technological savvy stadium. They built it with all kinds of modern features in mind and uh spared no expense. In fact, I think when you if, if you come down, you will notice a lot of similarities because I've been in Red Bull Arena. And uh it's probably in a way 
like the new sister of Red Bull Arena because there there are very similar shapes. There are very similar sight lines. Um, mm-hmm. West TQL is maybe maybe what I would call steeper. The angles are a little bit steeper. Um, but it, I mean, if you looked at it and you looked at a picture of Red Bull, just the seating arrangement, they look very very similar. The differences change once you're walking around the inside. I wish that drone, I know exactly what you're talking about, would have caught more of the concourses and the and the inside bars and the rooms because um the FC Cincinnati store is absolutely massive. They they went Ooh. all out on the little details. It's no long I don't think you can get away with building concrete shells anymore. They have to be um, designed and styled, and and so if I mean even the even the bars are all themed. They're all uh, they, they did a really good job of fitting that stadium in the neighborhood, and even making it feel like at points like you're in a bar in the neighborhood because you're in a bar in the stadium. Oh my God, that's unbelievable! And the one thing I like, the one quirk that I love actually about the stadium is the LED lighting. Uh, lights on the outside that are hanging off the roof on the outside. And at night, it lights up, and it says FC Cincinnati on it, and it has, like, a bunch of designs, like, you know, popping up in different colors. That is amazing on the outside. That is unbelievable what they did. Now, hopefully, I hope Red Bull Arena will do something like that in the future. I don't know, but we'll have to wait and see, which I don't think they will, but... You know, look, that's neither here nor there, and I'm not jealous or anything like that. But I have to say, <laughs> that light up on the outside of the stadium is superb. I love it. I do, too. I think it speaks more about these modern uh, MLS teams. Um, I'm glad to see that whole uncompleted look, because that seemed to be where like we, we MLS got to this point where we were getting out of football stadiums, we're getting out of baseball stadiums, we're starting to build our own. And I think maybe it's Colorado, if I'm if I'm remembering right. They kind of had this proposed shell on the outside to kind of hide up some of that steel. And then they just kind of didn't do it. You know, it was, it was a last-minute cost-cutting measure. And I think still their supporters are fighting for some kind of covering on the outside. Because it's like you, you spent all that money, you almost got there, and then you kind of just, meh like left it and the new Nashville's and Columbus's that are FC Cincinnati these stadiums that are coming online are to me this is the next generation where teams are going full experience mode and, and it's no longer cheapening out right at the end or right at the finish line and major league soccer is becoming a major league sport this is when when you're driving through cincinnati and you have to pass the red stadium and pass the cincinnati Bengals stadium and then you see fc cincinnati stadium it looks like it belongs and that's exactly how you may elevate the sport in the states you got to belong exactly you have to you can't just be rinky dink like we used to be in the old days anymore you can't just borrow nfl stadiums even though i know the revolution uh, are owned by the patriots um, we all know the Sounders are doing very well uh, in their stadium that's owned actually by the Seattle Seahawks. I think that they still have the Seahawks ownership uh, being a part of the Sounders ownership, but I could be wrong. I just I don't want to go there by anything like that. But you're seeing you're right. now, yeah, 
but I, I, you're seeing now it's not just an MLS. I mean, look at what Louisville City's done. I know you don't want to talk about Louisville. You haven't played them in a long time, <laughs> only an Open Cup these days. But you have to admit, Lynn Family Stadium in Louisville, even though it's a USL championship venue, was done fantastically. And, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind a national team game in there if it's possible. If it's not for a World Cup qualifier, I'd definitely love to have them there for a friendly in Louisville. I mean, that that looks fantastic for a stadium in my mind. Well, it's only hmm, 50 minutes away from me here in Cincinnati. So it's, it's not too far down the street, down the interstate and Columbus is about as far the other way. So you, you're talking about three great venues all within a few hour drive of each other. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird. I think I think I think that usually surprises some people that we're all that close together. And Midwest seems like this giant place, but no, Louisville, Columbus, Cincinnati are all really really close to each other. And uh, if Indianapolis ever came on board, they would be equal distance. So you'd be looking at almost like brand new soccer stadium heaven in one one small portion of the United States. But no, I think they did a great job. In fact, if the if the USL could duplicate Louisville. You'd have a whole different league down there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I was just thinking about this as well. You know, um, I had a show maybe like around last year because, you know, (laughs) the state of Texas has all these big stadiums now. It's not just an MLS. It's also USL League uh, Championship, I should say. You know, San Antonio has a stadium. Austin Bold has a stadium. Now Austin FC has a stadium. Houston, Frisco for FC Dallas. Um, hopefully El Paso will get something. Um, but you're seeing soccer stadiums being built in Texas. And I said, you know, maybe an under-20 World Cup that the U.S. could host can be in Texas. So you can you don't have to worry about the distances. But like you said, you know, if Indianapolis gets on board and you already have Columbus already opening up in the middle of the year, you got your stadium, you have Louisville, and if Indianapolis gets their own stadium, I mean, why not have an under-20 World Cup there? In the Midwest, and, you know, like you said, 50-minute drives for everyone, and they don't have to be so far away from each other. Yeah, we're smaller than Texas. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But uh, Texas is massive. Um, Yes, it is. No, I think it's great. I mean, I think it's a great thing for America. I think it's a great thing for um, all of – I think it's a great thing for Major League Soccer and all of these states coming on board. I mean, I know soccer fans like to pinpoint little problems that there is with the sport. And there are problems. And on the national team level, whether you're pro-rel, sometimes we fight so much internally, we don't realize how much we have to push through on the outside, all the people that don't even take soccer seriously as a sport. That's our biggest opponent. And, and, And it's so easy to fight with each other that we don't realize that. These stadiums are changing narratives city by city. Um, and when you turn on TV here in a couple of months and you see a packed full FC Cincinnati stadium or packed full Austin uh, stadium, you know, these new beautiful venues, uh, you might stay on the channel for once versus flipping on by. Um, mm-hmm. when, 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 you know, when you're like, why are people playing soccer in Yankee Stadium? You know, so so this is like, I think, a moment where, Major League Soccer can really showcase these stadiums and these clubs. 
Now, I have to ask this question, and I'm just wondering because we all know how big Cincinnati Soccer Talk is, and you guys do a great job. I know Subes, uh, you know, heads everything. I know the Weigels do a great job. You do a great job, and I always love coming on your show whenever I can. Um, is there an FC, excuse me, is there a Cincy Soccer Talk studio now in the stadium? <laughs> uh, no, I think they got cut in one of the final uh, budget meetings. Ah, made it. darn it. Uh, they decided to <laughs> make sure the roof covers every seat instead of uh, build a stadium as a studio for us. But uh, no, we're growing. We're still doing great. We've got three shows a week now and uh, about 20 staff members. So hey, we're still we're still cranking out content right and left. That's great to hear. I'm very happy about that. And just for anyone that wants to know anything about and, and excuse me and everything about FC Cincinnati. Obviously, you can always go to the pros, but Cincinnati Soccer Talk, please head over to their website. Go to Cincy Soccer Talk on Twitter and uh, just enjoy the content. These guys do a great job covering uh, MLS's Queen City Club FC Cincinnati and Boston. And I know you were uh, you had a procedure done. You're doing all right. You were recovering well from that. I am. You would never know. It's not uh, facelift, is it? <laughs> no, no. Had a had a run in with cancer at the bright young age of thirty three. So it was a bit oh surprising, but uh, l- luckily yes, it was it a uh, yeah, it was kind of a surface level thing. Uh, I was able to have surgery, have it removed, and uh, recovery's been going super well. And um, I'm back to work, and no one's the wiser. Awesome. Glad to hear that. I'm very glad you're back with us. So, you know, all I can say is is that uh, you can you have fun with the brand new home, enjoy TQL Stadium, and uh, y- you just uh, go on being you. Okay. All right. Now you can go back to talking about our performance, and I'll, I'll hang up for that part. That's fine, but that'll be another shot. <laughs> you have a good night. Take care, Boston. See ya. All right. Take care, Boston Brazel. FC Cincinnati, of course, uh, Cincinnati Soccer Talk, talking about the brand-new TQL Stadium. It's wonderful, it's exciting, and it's a lot of fun. And I love talking about new stadiums because that's what we need for the soccer to continue to grow here. Stadiums, 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 just like Allianz Field in Minnesota. Joining me right now, Dunord's own, of course, it's Bruce McGuire as we talk about Minnesota United Football Club. And uh, Bruce, I hope you're doing well tonight. How are you, my friend? I am not going to complain. How's that sound? There you go. That's <laughs> fine. But if you want to, you've got the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I do have to ask this question. And I, I know Minnesota soccer fans like yourself, diehards, love the sport, love the sport inside the state of Minnesota, obviously. Um you know, when you start a season 0-4, and, and I know you guys got two wins consecutively these last two games, but still, though, what was this feeling of unknown or uncertainty when you started off 0-4? Well, that's a great question. I mean, uh, obviously I knew it, but I don't think I've thought about it. Um, and it, And it's not because it's not a real deficit and a real hole. It's it's partially because I know it's a long season and teams go through slumps. 
Um, we've seen every single team in the history of the league go through slumps every season. But to have it at the beginning of the season, I guess, feels strange. Um, you know, they have two giant holes on the roster that they still haven't filled yet. And, you know, to me, that's a bigger thing than 0-4, is when mm-hmm. Ike Opara is not on your team and you have Kevin Molino is no longer on your team. And and those, you know, not last year, but two years ago, Ike Opara was the defender of the year. And last year, you know, Kevin Molino, I think, if he would have done it longer, would have had a hell of a shot at MVP or, you know, player of the year. And, um, you know, I think that they're still – I think that they're still searching. I, I think they're still looking. And, and, and I don't want to say that – that they started the season overconfident, but that's possible too. You know, like they were thinking, we made it to the semifinals. No, that's where our season starts now. Now we start at the semifinals and we go from there. When it's MLS, baby, we we all know that ain't true. Unless you're Seattle. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Seattle right now is leading the West with 16 points. So, uh, you know, that's going to be a big mountain to climb. Yep. Yeah, and yep. nobody gives them anything. They earn it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, all you can say right now for Seattle, I mean, look, they work hard. I know Minnesota works hard, obviously. Um, but, you know, the log jam is still a little early, obviously. You're below that playoff line. You're tied with Portland and uh, Austin with six points. You have, uh, which, you know, I think some people are one scratching their heads why LAFC is in dead last with on the uh, – uh, goal differential in the points per game situation, but still though it's like you said, it's only been six matches. It's still early, um, five points I should say. I was looking at the games played, but you know, still though, um, I mean, there's still time to uh, start climbing back up the standings. And the last two games, you got a one nil leads. Uh, I loved the uh, both goals, of course, the one inside uh, first half stoppage time, and then that one by Ludd. Uh, in second half stoppage time, the miracle Lud, I'll call him if you don't mind, how he was yeah, able to no. poke that sucker in to give you uh, a second straight home win over there at Allianz Field. That must have been really nice to watch. Well, it was, and it was also considering they haven't been very good on set pieces um, this year, except in the very first game when you know Reynoso crushed in a, a free kick. But otherwise, they haven't had a lot of luck on set pieces. And so to win a game on one in stoppage time was pretty remarkable. So that was pretty cool. You know, one last quick thing about the starting a season 0-4. What that mm-hmm. does is it takes away your margin of error. You know, you got to be really good the rest of the way now. You, you're not going to get oh, yeah. that. You're not going to get that. uh you know, that little excuse to use later if you have another slump. It's going to really hurt you then. But, um, yeah, no, two really one nothing wins was, so- was solid because they, you know, against Vancouver, I don't think they were the better team, but they earned it. And against Dallas, they were the better team. And that's the first time in the six games this year they've been the better team. They they've They had a couple of great halves. The first half against Seattle, they were good, but got no goals. The second half in in Colorado, they were great and had two goals, but they threw both those games away with lousy second halves. 
So to have a game against Dallas um, where you play the entire 90 minutes as the better team, you know, th- that's a positive. And they had 27 shots. Now, that's a big problem when you only put seven on goal and only, you know, none of them challenged the goalkeeper. Um, that's that's a huge, weird problem. But they're getting there. Now they got a week off to get healthy, yeah. and, you know, they have a, a, a forward coming from France that, that sent out a, a an Instagram picture today of him on an airplane with an arrow saying Minneapolis. So he's headed this way. We'll see. And who who is this French striker? His name is Adrian Hunau. He's from Rennes. And consistently, year after year, I think he's 27 or 28, scores double-digit or high single-digit goals every single year. Um, and he's rarely been the starter. But... I'm a huge fan of French players. I think they're mega talented. Um, there's no better national team in the world. Um, they go about five deep at every position, and they just really train great players in France. And, and I'm all for – I'll give them all a chance, every one of them. Come and try out for Minnesota. I'm all in. So what you're saying is you have your Thierry Henry uh, Red Bulls jersey somewhere in there, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it certainly was a joy to watch him, I'll say that. Um, oh, but I don't know. I mean, they I'll paid decent money. Not, not a lot, but they paid over mm-hmm. $3 million for him, so they paid something for him, so they believe in him. And uh, they Why play Salt, Salt Lake on the 29th, and maybe he'll be in the lineup. You never know. Absolutely. I mean, look, you got to bring over some reinforcements, and that's what you got to do. I want to ask you this question, and I think I caught one of your tweets on Twitter earlier. Um, you did not like either lack of or certain substitutions being made by Adrian Heath, obviously, or the lack there of substitutions. And obviously, we're currently at five. You have, you know, this is temporary until FIFA decides to go back to the three substitutes rule uh, because of the pandemic and everything. Um, what is it that you felt that Adrian Heath should have done better or maybe should have pulled back? Yeah, my issue has never been about he doesn't use enough subs. I do hear that from a lot of people. My issue is the choice of substitutes at times when it's been 10 minutes and you are getting overrun. And there's times when you need to make a tactical change. And a lot of times it's very obvious that you've got a guy sitting on the bench that this is their their their, their biggest talent and if you can add that element to the game, you could maybe go back to leveling the playing field. The perfect example is what happened in in Denver against Colorado, where they got two great goals, but the last six, seven, eight minutes of the first half, all of a sudden Denver just or Colorado picked up steam, picked up steam, picked up steam, and you knew they were going to come out in the second half flying. And Minnesota came out, played exactly the same. You could feel that goal coming. You know that feeling when you can feel a goal coming oh, yeah. and Colorado gets it. So now it's two to one and 
it's like, okay, well, you stupidly didn't make any tactical changes yet. Now you have to, because now it's two to one, and they are coming at you like madness. No changes again. They give up another goal. Now it's two to two. And now it's like, okay, well, you know, a lot of times the best defense is offense, and you're not creating any. And what do they do? He takes out Reynoso, one of the best playmakers in the league, and puts in another center back. And that's just inviting the other team to just pour it on even more. And they did, and Colorado beat them 3-2. to And I just scratch my head and say, if I'm sitting on a couch, you know, a third of the country away, and this is so obvious to me and plain as day, and I just watch it build, and, you know, we're talking this happened over, like, 50 minutes, and nothing ever changes. And it just leaves me sitting there saying, why do you have 30 players on your roster if you're only going to use 12 to 14 of them all season long? I don't get it. It just leaves me so confused. And that's really my issue. No, I understand. You know, and then Adrian Heath, you know, got very defensive when he was asked about, about it, and he got real snarky and real snippy for like the third time in about 10 games saying, what is it with you Americans and your weird fascination with substitutes? You know, get over it, move on. And in a, in a real snarky defensive mode. And to me, if, if, if you're going to be really defensive to me, that says you don't have an actual answer. That's what defensiveness mm-hmm. has always always been to me my whole life. If somebody only gives you a defensive answer and snaps back and be snarky with you, it means they don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. And that's my worry. That's my worry. Because, you know, man, the second half of this season is going to be Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday for about 15 to 20 games for the rest of the season. It's going to be brutal and if you don't get all these young guys on the field now and get them some experience and get them real serious playing time with the other starters you know what happens when you actually need them you got nothing that's my worry and i don't blame you and i mean i think uh you know adrian heath has to understand you know maybe in england they don't worry too much about substitutions you know, you oh, make a sub, on. that's it, it's time. over with, move forward. Oh, no, I know, watch I know. Watch but, the English Premier League, but I'm talking the, the about announcers go nuts Heath about here. it. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only talking about Adrian here. I'm not talking yeah. about, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson or anyone like that. I mean, look, if, if you don't know that you have to put in the right substitute for the right moment, then what are you doing? you got to know. I mean, I there mean, are even times I've had to they, ask. They, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I asked. I, I asked. I, I, you know, after the loss to the LA Galaxy by the Red Bulls, um, I asked a question about the, a substitution situation with Garrett Trippier because it looked like he was ready to make a sub, and then all of a sudden he uh, pulled the, he pulled the sub back, and I asked him, was did, did something change? And you know, he gave me an honest answer, which was nice. But you know, Adrian Heath has to understand. You know, you can't all of a sudden complain because. If you got to make a substitution to, you know, keep a point or, you know, 
keep all three points in the match, and they're coming, you gotta you gotta answer the question. Yeah, and late in that game, you know, the, Reynoso against Vancouver, and then it happened again against uh, against Dallas. Reynoso's out there, and he's been playing injured all season with a bad calf injury, and now the report comes today that he's not training for the next few days because he's been injured. And it's like, why don't you give this guy a break? You know, you just kill him out there. And other teams are hacking the shit out of him because they know that he's the key. He is the guy to stop. And, you know, hey, look, I don't I, I don't like to, to harp on managers too much. They have the hardest job in soccer. I know that. And mm-hmm. um, we can sit here and second guess them all day long. That's easy. That's an easy thing to do. But I've seen many times where they have a great plan going into a game. Minnesota does. But it's so... Yeah so so rare that they have ever been able to make any kind of tactical adjustment during a game in his tenure and to me that that game day coaching is is a different thing than pre-game coaching they're two different things and it's up to you know the leadership of the of the club to decide which one's more important and I think he's just fine at one of them and not very good at all at the other one. So, and and then people come at me and say they made it to the semifinals, and I'm like, and how did that game go? They choked. Adrian choked. You know that game in Seattle, man. What what what? What was that? He made two subs, and the team was exhausted. And then afterwards, he said, "Well, if yep. he had had a couple more days rest." Well, you had guys who were completely rested, and you didn't even play them. So, you know, what are you talking about, man? I know. Yep. That's why you got to pay attention. That's why you got to know what you got to do. Yeah. But, and you, I, know, you know, someone knows, <laughs> yep, someone knows better than you. That's cool. They get paid a lot of money. I don't. Like I said, we, we get to do the second guessing. And that makes us seem That's smarter right. than we actually are, you know? Yep. So I don't want to take that away. I don't have any pressure on me. <laughs> no. Nope. Make my imaginary substitutes. There's no job hanging <laughs> over my head. I just get to sit here and lip <laughs> off, you know? Absolutely. Poor Jester, you, right? Well, no. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> well,. Bruce, all I can say is, is that right now it looks like Minnesota is off to a good start now. Uh, two consecutive victories after a known for start. Let's see what happens. They can climb the, East, the Western Conference table, get into that playoff spot later on in the year. I'll talk to you somewhere well, down the road. You have a good night, will. my friend. Yeah, yeah you I, too. Thanks for I'll, having me, and thanks for listening to my ranting. Hey, listen, how else am I going to host this show? I have to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah, you, man. Take yeah, care. Good night, Bruce. You take care. No problem. You do take care. Bruce McGuire of Dunord, Minnesota United FC, great guy, just just fantastic guy to talk soccer with, especially with about Minnesota United stuff. It's It's been uh, fantastic, and uh just wonderful to uh, discuss with him everything going on with um, about uh, everything Minnesota United. Um, now, 
you know, this is a young squad that is going to be, uh, you know, having their ups and downs here. Maybe some more downs than ups, but they've done well here and there. But, you know, not a complete 90-minute performance except for the match against the Chicago Fire at home where they won 1-0. But also, uh, you know, I I think right now they have a hole in goal in Carlos Coronel. I I just don't think he's good enough. I just don't think he's doing uh, the job. And at the same time, I have to say this. I don't understand why Ryan Mera is just not getting a fair chance here to take over the number one goalkeeper spot. I know he got hurt last year at the last preseason match, but I'm sorry. I, I just don't understand why Mera is not the number one keeper now. I just don't understand it. I mean, there wasn't much preseason. Um, by default, he should have been the number one goalkeeper, uh, but he's not. And Carlos Coronel so far, I think he's had um, he's had two good games. But he's had at least a so-so game against Sporting Kansas City. Um, I thought he he made a mess in L.A., especially the first and the third goal. Uh, I thought you know he should have done better with those. But once again, what are you going to do? Um, almost had another gaffe in Tor- against Toronto at Red Bull Arena. But once again, it was, you know he found ways to. Um, you know, stay with it. So all you can do really is see what's going to happen here. But, you know, I think Ryan Mara deserves an opportunity to go out and find a way to get his starting job back because I just, I just think, it, it, you know, he shouldn't have lost it. He should never have lost his starting job. Um, moving forward, if I can say this, um, obviously Aaron Long – suffering that ruptured Achilles tendon on Saturday night, late in second half stoppage time against the Philadelphia Union. Landed wrong trying to go after the ball, and all you can do is just wish him um, a speedy recovery. And, yes, he's done for the rest of the year. So you're not going to see Aaron Long for 2021, either for the Red Bulls or the U.S. men's national team. That's a big loss for the Red Bulls, and it's also a big loss for the men's national team and who they can get to replace him. Obviously, that's the job of Greg Berhalter, so we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen there. Um, outside of that, I thought Patrick Klimala was fantastic in his 45-minute debut in the second half. Tom Edwards came in, coming in for Amro Tarek. I thought he did very well. Um, but once again, this is a young team, and a young team is not going to make good decisions at times, especially on the road. And the passes were not crisp enough. And even though they were looking dangerous, they weren't as dangerous as you'd like to see them. But once again, look, it's a long season. We have to understand that they're probably still getting used to Gerhard Struber's attack and his tactics and everything. You know, it's a different style of a press. Um, I love what I saw so far from some of these players, especially Fabio. And I want to see Fabio up top with uh, Klimala. I want to see them both together up top and see what they can do. Because, you know, I love Tom Barlow. I think he's got a future here in MLS and a future here with the Red Bulls. Brian White is pretty good. But, you know, these two, I think they're above where, they, where those two are right now. 
And I think Tom Barlow, I'm not against Tom. I, Tom's a great guy. Tom is an awesome person. is a nice guy, and I enjoy talking with him. But the truth is, is that, you know, when you need goals to be put away, and you have a wide open net to bury it in, you got to bury it. And he didn't against uh, Chicago or, you know, and it's time to say it. Um, I think Tom might have to go back down to USL championship and be with Red Bulls too. go back to the USL Bulls and get, get some time going because I just, I, I, I don't know if he's losing confidence, but you know, he's been missing more than scoring. And I, I just think right now Barlow needs to get some minutes down in USL. I know he's hurt, but when he gets back, he's got to play uh, at least a good amount of time at USL because right now I don't think Tom Barlow's cutting it. And like I said, I'm not saying get rid of him. I'm not saying, you know, trade him away. I'm just saying that he needs to go and get minutes and work on his craft. He's unknown when he first started. No one knew much about him. He was able to score goals. He was able to put in the uh, easy open net goals. Now all of a sudden he's just yanking them wide. So I think he needs some time in USL to just to get his confidence back and see what's going to happen. Brian White, uh, I'll say this right now, I think he's going to come off the bench these days. Daniel Royer got his first start this year, but I would agree with most of the, everyone. I think he's also a substitute now coming off the bench. Uh, Drew Yearwood, unfortunately, double yellow in this match. Red card sent off. He'll be suspended for the next match this coming Saturday in New England. So as of right now, for um, as of right now for Drew Yearwood, hopefully he'll be able to get back into the situation. But once again, it's just a, it, it's just tough right now. Um, to, no, I wouldn't say it's tough to watch. It's nice to watch because you're seeing these young players are getting an opportunity and they're trying to get the the player, you know, the roster younger and better. And so far, I'm seeing it. I really am. And we're seeing what Caceres Jr. can do. Caden Clark has been a revelation. It's just amazing what this kid at 17 years old can do. I am amazed at what he has done so far in MLS since getting the call up last year from USL Championship with the USL Bulls. It's amazing. And so far, um, five goals in the league, six in all competitions. I mean, Caden Clark, you know, future for the national team, absolutely. But I'd probably be more concerned about him in the under-20 World Cup, or at least qualifying for an under-20 World Cup, to play for the under-20s, than to worry about him being in the senior side. I know if you're old enough, you're good enough. I understand that. But I don't but I really don't think we have to overdo it with him right now. Situation right now, leave him alone, let him develop, let him keep on going. Um, technical ability is sensational. And I love what uh, Caden Clark has done so far in MLS. And so far, three goals at home, no, no on the road, but that's only for now. We'll have to wait and see. But still, though, uh, I'm loving what Caden Clark is doing. And it's fan. Fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic what he's going to do. Um, once again, not good about the loss. Still early. They're only two and three on the season. But as I've said, I really, really like what this young roster is going to do. And hopefully in their next match against New England Revolution, they'll go out 
and they'll do a job, and hopefully they'll steal a point. So we'll see what happens when they head over to the field turf of Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts, against the Revolution. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this will do it for tonight's show. I want to thank my guests tonight, Boston Brazel, FC, excuse me, of Cincinnati Soccer Talk, and, of course, from Dunord, Bruce McGuire, talking about Minnesota United FC. This is Daniel Feuerstein. Once again, don't forget to not only hear on the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show, you can read stuff on the blog, Feuerstein's Fire. Head on over there, DanielFoyerstein.com, and you'll have some fun there as well. Join me next this coming Monday, we'll have a brand new show getting ready for more talk about American soccer here on the Forest Fire American Soccer Show. Once again, thanks to Boston Brazel and uh, Bruce McGuire. Thank you, everyone, for listening to me tonight. And I'll be back on my regular day on Monday night. I want to thank Gary Redman and Carlos Cano for having me on last night on the New York Red Bulls Discussion Group podcast. It was a lot of fun. It was excellent. I'll talk to you guys next time. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now. Have a good night, everybody.